This is Lola. Hi, Lola. <laughs> hey, yo, what's going on, everyone? My name is Grace Kirtle, and welcome to the 26th episode of She's Got Balls podcast. Today is Thursday, January 28th, a little bit later in the week here. Been busy. I do have a real full-time corporate job. Hopefully that'll change though. I mean, hey, I'm so grateful to be there, but I would love to be doing this podcast full-time. We have a great show for you guys this week because we have an amazing guest on, Chloe Coscoy, who is on the U.S. national team for climbing. It's extremely interesting interview. Please be sure to stick around for it because you're going to learn so much about climbing. And if you're like myself, just enjoy learning about new sports and new things. You will definitely like this interview. Before we get started with some pregame details and game recaps from last week, be sure you hit that subscribe button follow wherever you listen to this and rate and leave us a review and make sure you follow us on instagram at she's got balls podcast and my personal instagram and tiktok at grace curtolo if you're interested in checking out a new sports app overtime just came out with a brand new app which is super interesting to check out and there's all different polls and competitions you could play with your friends on there so if you're interested in a new sports app be sure to check that out with the link in the description Starting off with the game recaps from last week, we had three major events going on. First off, we had the NFC game, AFC game, and a UFC fight. This was actually my first time watching a UFC fight, and it was very exciting. Now, would I have bought it myself? Not sure, but it was really cool. I watched all five main events, and two of them were females, which I loved, And I think it's just really fun to watch, bet on, hang out with your friends. Definitely something fun for a Saturday night. And the main event or the main fight was Conor McGregor, of course, back in the ring to start off this year's pay-per-view events. And he fought against Dustin Poirier. And McGregor was the person to beat. He was the heavy favorite in all the sports books. And so that means... Once he lost in a second round TKO, since everyone was betting on Conor McGregor and he was the favorite, all the sports books made the money. So they definitely made out good, even if McGregor didn't win. And I was very pleased to see how well McGregor handled this fight. He was a lot more mature, yes, still entertaining and fun. I had no idea that the lightweight featherweight was 155 pounds. That is crazy how actually small and lean these guys are, but it was a fun fight to watch. Moving on over to some football. Guys, this is it, it's sad to report that the Buffalo Bills did lose to the Kansas City Chiefs for the AFC Championship. So that means Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, the Kansas City Chiefs are going on to the Super Bowl. The Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs, Everyone on that team did an amazing job, and everyone in Buffalo is so grateful for all that they did. Somehow, someway, the freaking Tampa Bay Bucks beat the Green Bay Packers for the NFC Championship, and the Tampa Bay Bucks are going to the Super Bowl. Not only is that crazy, because now Tom Brady is going to his 10th Super Bowl, which he's 43 years old, obviously 
age is just a number to him. So the Tampa Bay Bucks are playing in their home stadium for the Super Bowl, and this is the first time in history that that's ever happened. It's a shame that it won't be a full stadium for them, but either way, I just want Kansas City to win so that Tom Brady can lose. I know that sounds awful, but still a little bit sensitive from him being on the Patriots and as a Buffalo Bills fan. But that is going to be one really fun Super Bowl. And congratulations on the Bucks and the Kansas City Chiefs for their big wins. Another big thing that actually happened at the Bills-Kansas City game is that Trey Songs, yes, the rapper, was arrested in Kansas City during the game at the stadium. Got into an altercation with a police officer. You can see it on video. I believe it's because Trey Song wouldn't put his mask on so he got into a big altercation with the officer with fans all around him he still ended up getting arrested and maybe we'll hear more on that story coming up and for our pregame details nothing too crazy happening this week the Super Bowl is not this weekend, so do not be making any plans. It's not until February 7th, the following weekend. So we are taking a weekend off from some football, but do not worry. There is still plenty of NBA games and plenty of NHL games. So be sure to check those out. If you have nothing to watch, go pick one team. I challenge you and watch all of their games they're playing this coming week. And if you don't want to watch any NBA or NHL, don't worry. We have some NWHL for some women's hockey. Yes, they are playing in their bubble just for two weeks. So they're going to be starting their round robin. And then they will have a champion for this season and next week. If you haven't seen with Barstool is one of my favorite outlets, and hopefully this will soon be a Barstool podcast, that there has been so much controversy this week with the NWHL and the Barstool CEO, Erica Nardini. Very interesting to read from a business and a fan standpoint. NWHL needs fans, that so they should not be burning bridges with anyone. Yet, for some reason, they decide to make a public statement that they are not affiliated with Barstool nor condemn or support anything they do or if their players speak to Barstool, basically media outlet, that that is not something that they can control. And it's really just a slap in the face to Barstool and so rude. Not a good idea for the NWHL because Erica Nardini, the CEO, is a big advocate of the NWHL. So why would you want to burn that relationship? She's done nothing but support. So really was not happy hearing that. However, I'm still going to support all of the players in the NWHL. So be sure to follow them and support them in their bubble this week. All right, and now for the fun part. We have on Chloe Coscoy, who is so sweet, 19 years old, on U.S. national team for climbing, specifically in bouldering. And you are going to hear her explain a little bit about competing in bouldering and the other disciplines. I'm so sorry. I thought that my headphones during this interview weren't working. And then at the very end, I found out that it wasn't just my headphones. It was also my microphone. So thankfully, it's still recorded. But I'm sorry if the quality is not the best. Either way, here is my interview with Chloe Coscoy. 
All right. And now we have on Chloe Coscoy. And I don't even know, do I call you a climber? Is that the appropriate wording that we use? Yeah, climber is good. I'm new to climbing and you're going to teach us all about it. Where are you located right now? Where are you training, quarantine, living at? Yeah, so I'm in Salt Lake City right now, which is also the location of the USA Climbing Training Center. And you're from California, so this is a new home for you. When did you move out here? Yeah, so I moved here from the Bay Area in June with a few friends from kind of all over, and we've been living here and training together. You're 19, living with a bunch of friends, climbing out in Salt Lake City. That that sounds like a blast. How fun is that? Yeah, I'm having a great time. It's awesome. And you started climbing when you were younger, right? How did you get into climbing? Yeah, so I was always really active as a kid, but never stuck to, to any sports long term. And then when I was about 12, my family got a membership at the climbing gym really close to my house and I like joined the the youth competition team there and like the rest is history just kept climbing once you started to like really enjoy it and or your parents thought wow you can you know take this more seriously what are the steps or how do you get like more involved in climbing because it's not like you you know you don't just find a bunch of friends and you're not on a team right it's all individual climbing is definitely an individual sport but at least most climbing gyms have like youth teams. So you have a bunch of kids who are training together and practicing in the gym together. And when you go to a competition, it's going to be individual, but just like you'll have a track team or a cross country team, like we all have really good camaraderie and everything in the gym. And then, and then when we go to, to compete, it's all on our own, but. Very cool. And you started doing competitions and then in 2019 you became the youth pan am american bouldering champion congratulations thank you youth pan american what does that mean first off youth pan ams it it was a bouldering competition so boulders are climbing but the walls are pretty short like never really more than 18 feet or so and you have these big pads below you and Uh, Basically, you have these really difficult climbs and whoever can do the best or get the closest to the top on all of them uh, will get the most points and win that. So Youth Pan Ams was a boulder competition uh, that was just all of the Americas. Like you just mentioned, bouldering is indoors and it's man-made, right? Yeah, like you can boulder outside too, but a bouldering competition is going to be indoors. Is there competitions out for outdoor bouldering or is that just like... Not really. Usually when people go boulder outside, you're going to like bring your own crash pad, which is this big mat thing that you can carry on your back and you put that under the boulder you're trying. Usually um, you're just trying to do the hardest climb you can when you're outside. So whatever that is. And then in the gym, it's you've got harder climbs and easier climbs and they're usually more tricky and maybe you'll do more things like jumps and stuff like that on the wall, which you don't see outside as much. Is it who can get to the top fastest? No, it's bouldering is based on difficulty. So most of the competitors will not be able to get to the top of the climb in the time that they have to try it. So every time you've got to try on the first, you've got to start on the first hold and then try to get as high as you can without falling. But most people are going to fall without ever getting to that last hold. And it's like by getting to that last hold that you're going to be able to get the most amount of points. Okay, so it's how many attempts you have 
and basically how high you can get. Attempts, yeah, it's a combination of the two that are used to, to score your, your attempts. I could be totally wrong, but I think I found you when I was watching it on like ESPN or like X Games or something like that. Literally, I was in awe because the age range is crazy. And I feel like you're better off being younger just because you're more like limber. And then it's nuts how on, would you call it a course or what's the proper? Um, Just the, the climb or the boulder. You can be really tall and it can be your benefit. Or you can be really short, it can be your benefit. It, you can just get lucky and your body aligns right with the climb, which I thought was really interesting. And it was so nuts just to see like you guys all just sitting down watching each other and like who can strategize and just have the strength. And to me, the strength in climbing is like, you guys, I'm going to have your Instagram, I'm going to post Instagram in the show notes, but like your bodies are just insane. Is it just all from climbing? Or are you like training, doing other things or eating right? Like what is the secret? Training for climbing, especially climbing competitions, is pretty unique because when you show up to a competition, you don't know what climb you're going to get. And like you said, like it maybe it'll suit you if you're taller or shorter, but you don't know if you're going to have to be jumping around or if it's going to be really technical and you have to go super slow and find your balance. And so we kind of have to train to be ready for anything. So it helps to be really like fit and athletic and especially in your upper body to to have a lot of skills there and then yeah I mean of course we try to eat right and stuff but I think that the biggest thing is that our training has to be pretty diverse to be able to accommodate all the different climbing movements that we have to do on the wall. Is there a certain exercise for your fingers? Because I feel like or, or is there ideal like fingers and hands to have in climbing because they just the grabbing and the grips just seem impossible i don't there aren't really any I- ideal fingers or hands necessarily i think it, it helps to have bigger hands sometimes but really the biggest thing i think is your finger strength so your ability to hang on to really small edges like the same way some people might hang on to a door frame right and then we have to just hang on on smaller and smaller edges so there are things called hang boards that are just like strips of wood that are just get smaller and smaller and you just hang on those for however long 10 seconds or whatever and we just do sets on that for me growing up in buffalo new york there was no climbing at all and there was one climbing gym and that's where we would go for like our lacrosse team bonding in high school and that was when i first saw you know these athletes that you had the mats on the ground the chalk the whole everything i thought it was the craziest thing and i can't imagine them like the free climbers that just nothing going out do you cross between the gym and outdoors or do you like one over the other I climb outdoors just here and there to switch things up and and challenge myself because the climbing outside is pretty different people haven't put the holds up there to to make you do a specific movement like you just got to figure out with with what's on the rock face what you can hold on to and yeah I, I guess I like to switch up my training with some outdoor climbing sessions but in general I'm really focused on indoor climbing because when we compete that's going to be inside or on artificial walls so because it's so different definitely climbing indoors is my go-to. So last January you started at UC Berkeley 
very fancy. And are you climbing for the school? So the school has a climbing club, but no official teams or anything. So I would just hang out at the club sometimes, but mostly just climbing on my own. Uh, Will you be going back and staying on campus and everything? Yeah, so I'm actually probably going to transfer to the University of Utah so that I can keep training here in Salt Lake. Is that a a big announcement? Is this like official She's Got Balls announcement? Kind of. I haven't... Oh, well, you're not, I guess, but competing or doing anything for the school. Is there, is there college bouldering or climbing? Yeah, there, there are climbing clubs and there's a a collegiate climbing series. So like a a group of competitions for collegiate climbers and NCAA. No, no, just like it's separate. It's just through the governing body of climbing for the U.S. So USA Climbing organizes a collegiate series and you compete on like regional levels. And then if you do well there you go to the next level and then you eventually can go to nationals and gotcha okay last year you placed second in the opening bouldering nationals and you qualified for the 2020 national team what in the opening where did you stand with the age range were there a lot of girls younger older or where were you at yeah so Climbing is is pretty unique in that I guess a, a lot of competitors are kind of all over everything in terms of the age, but open nationals, you can't compete in until you're 16. And I was 18 at the time of the event. Maybe some of the oldest competitors were 30 or so. And the, the skill levels vary so much. A lot of the young kids are really good because they've grown up in the climbing gym and they've been exposed to competition climbing from a really young age but a lot of the older athletes as well are super experienced and really strong so yeah I I don't even think that the age has mattered too much so when you qualified for the 2020 national team does that mean you are on the U.S. bouldering national team for Tokyo no so the um the Olympic qualification event was a little different Basically, there it goes like the Olympic team, and then after that is the the national team who is not on the Olympic team but is still able to compete in all the other international events except for the the Olympics. All right. So when you go to these competitions, there's three different categories, right? Are they? Yeah. In climbing, there are three disciplines that you can compete in, and, and bouldering is one of them. Calling you a climber is generalizing your boulder, sport, or speed, but you specifically narrowing it down, like the three disciplines, just boulder. I compete in sport climbing as well, but I just haven't had many opportunities to do that yet and haven't done quite as well in it. Yeah, so you can compete in bouldering, sport climbing, speed climbing, or all three. Gotcha. Okay. So we kind of explained a little bit about bouldering. How do you, would you describe sport and speed? I'll start with the next one is sport climbing. Sport climbing, kind of the scoring works a lot like bouldering in that the further you get up a very difficult climb is going to dictate your score. So the vast majority of the competitors will not get to the top of this climb. So you'll get points for every hold that that you go up the wall. And sport climbing, you're attached to a rope. You're climbing like 40 or 50 moves in a row. And usually you're going to fall off because your your forearms give out or um, you run out of endurance to do the climb. Bouldering, because the walls are shorter, you're falling onto pads. Oftentimes the moves are going to be more difficult. So it's like a little more power-based and strength-based. And 
Um, sport climbing is like that as well, except for because it's 50 moves overall, every move is going to be easier, but it's going to be really t hard to do all 50 moves in a row without falling because you only get one try from the ground and then you climb as high as you can and then you're done for that event. So it's pretty stressful. And so your score is just going to be kind of based on how far you get or how high you get based on everyone else. Is it one attempt? Sport climbing is one attempt. Boulders, because you fall, you get like five minutes or something to just keep trying it from the bottom. But sport climbing, it's you got those 50 moves in front of you. You start at the bottom and you got one try to get as high as you can. I guess. Okay. And now then we have speed. Then we have speed, which is, I think, the most intuitive for people. But it's really not what the majority of people do when they say that uh, they do climbing. So speed, it's like, it's kind of like if you were to run hurdles, you've got your, your hurdles, you know exactly where they are on the track, right? They're a certain distance apart. Every time it's exactly the same. Speed climbing is you've got one lane over here and one lane over here and like vertical wall lanes and the climb over here is exactly the same as the climb over here and they're exactly the same no matter where in the world you are that's the speed wall this route is identical everywhere that you're going to do the speed climb that's speed you've got your two lanes everybody starts at the bottom your timer goes off and you just get to the top as fast as you can oh you're you are very good at explaining climbing <laughs> Oh, thanks. Yeah, it's really complicated usually to explain them all. But No, that was great. And thank you so much. It was super helpful for me and hopefully a lot of others. So quick little rapid fire questions for you. What's your favorite day of climbing snack? My favorite climbing snack? Kind of boring, but I really like protein bars. Yeah, well, a specific brand? I've been really into Quest bars recently. What about your day of climbing breakfast? Climbing breakfast, usually maybe like some yogurt, Greek yogurt. I eat probably two servings of Greek yogurt a day at least with granola and berries or something like that. Do you listen to music when you climb? Yeah, always. So what's your go-to, we're going to the Olympics song, I'm ready to fight. I mean, I love Cardi B for when I'm just like, want to get going and, and really just push myself. So I listen to a lot of Cardi B. That's awesome. And then what do you like to do when you're not climbing? Well, when I'm not climbing, I really like to cook. I think that's a lot of fun. Yeah. And I like playing with my dogs. Oh, what kind of dogs do you have? I've got, this is Lola. Hi, Lola. Uh, kind of a, a total mutt, but she's got a little bit of German Shepherd and some other things in her. Goodness, Lola, you were just so cute. Oh, my goodness. She's a good climbing dog. She a gym dog? She likes to come hang out when we go climb. Wow, that's awesome. Well, Chloe Kosky, thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate it. And good luck with the rest of your climbing. And hopefully you can get some more competitions after this pandemic. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was great talking to you. All right. Thank you so much, Chloe and your cute little dog, Lola. I had such a fun time talking to you and learning about climbing. I'd like to think I am an expert now. And next time I see it on TV, I am totally going to understand what is going on. And let's get into some news around the leagues. Starting off with some NFL 
it is now announced that Sarah Thomas is going to be the first woman in NFL history to officiate a Super Bowl as a down judge. She's 47 years old, and she's been a official in the NFL since 2015 when she became the first woman official. I'm so excited for her. She did officiate. Congratulations to Sarah Thomas on making history yet again. And in the NBA National Basketball Association, the Miami Heat is going to be starting to let fans into their games, but with a twist. There is going to be COVID-19 detection dogs at the arena, and the dogs are going to sniff every fan coming into the stadium. I had no idea that dogs could sniff out COVID-19, so I'm very excited to see how this goes. If the dog sniffs you and walks by, that means you have the green light. If the dog sniffs you and takes a seat, that means that you and your group that you're with will not be allowed to enter the stadium. So there is definitely a risk if you go to this game with someone that could potentially have COVID-19. And I think it's a smart idea that the entire group cannot enter the arena. I wonder if we're going to see more COVID-19 detection dogs in other arenas. But this will definitely be a first. And also some trailblazing women in sports, Natalie Sago and Jennifer Schroeder. They were the NBA's first two-woman ref crew with the Hornets and Magic game this past Monday, so congratulations for those two on also making history in their own sports. And the last sport that we are going to talk about this week is tennis. Players from around the world started to arrive down under, yes, in Australia. Female tennis player Paula Badosa says she feels like she's been abandoned by the Australian Open because she did test positive for COVID-19. Once all of the athletes, every single one of them, no exception, arrive to Australia because they are so strict with their rules and the country as a whole, they all have to complete a hotel quarantine. And then if they have a positive test, they have to go on longer. She says like some others feel abandoned. They requested equipment in order to train. They can't even open their windows. I would absolutely be losing my mind. And they're forced in a 14-day lockdown if they test positive. There's about 72 players that still remain in this lockdown because they were either in contact with a positive case or they are a positive case themselves. So now there's controversy between the athletes that have to do a 14-day quarantine versus the ones that are able to get let out early. That means they have more time to train. And the athletes are trying to make it clear they're not complaining about the quarantine. They're complaining about the opportunity to train and to compete in the Australian Open. Do they get more time? Can they push back the start date of this tournament? So we will see how they continue to handle this entire tournament. And as we end with a hoot and a holler this week, it's going to be a little different. It's more just an honor and appreciation and a thank you to the amazing Kobe Bryant. I cannot believe this is the one year anniversary of his death with his daughter Gigi and the other passengers on this helicopter. It was such an awful crash. I'm sure everyone remembers where they were when they found out Kobe Bryant has passed away. I just want to thank Kobe Bryant for all that he's done, not only for his family and the NBA, but most importantly for women in sports and the WNBA. He really did put a statement and bring the WNBA more to life. He wore the orange hoodie, which sounds so simple. However, that one sweatshirt 
made such a big impact on the WNBA and the fans all across the world. And so I just want to thank Kobe Bryant for all the amazing things he's done and the Mamba mentality and the Mamba Academy that he has created for young girls. And on that note, we are going to wrap up this episode. Thank you so much for joining me. Tune in real quick next week. Promise you it's going to be earlier in the week because we are going to have some exciting guests still coming up. So stay tuned and we'll talk to you next time. So